Welcome to the National CMV Foundation podcast. I'm Kristen Spitek, President and Chair of the National CMV Foundation. Congenital cytomegalovirus, or CMV infection, is arguably the most common preventable cause of neonatal disability in the United States, affecting more than 30,000 children per year. The National CMV Foundation is dedicated to educating women of childbearing age about congenital CMV, and our podcast series highlights advocacy, education, industry, and scientific advances in the space, bringing congenital cytomegalovirus to the forefront of the conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Meridian Bioscience, working to create healthcare solutions that help save lives with each discovery, each diagnosis, every patient, every day. Thanks so much for joining. I wanted to intro a very special podcast today with three dads of CMV kiddos. And usually we don't get an opportunity to really dive into what some of our dads are doing in terms of raising kiddos with special needs due to CMV, as well as perhaps other family members, uh, their professional day jobs, as well as what they are doing in their communities to raise CMV awareness. So we are very excited to have them on board today. I'm going to let the guys go around and introduce themselves. I have Matt, Shane, and Brandon on the line. And why don't we go ahead in that order and sort of tell us a little about yourself as well as your family and their ages and um, where you're from and all of that. So, Matt, go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, My name is Matt Rowe. I am from Orangeboro, Kentucky, and uh, I'm 33. Uh, I am married to my wife, Amy, and we have a daughter named Nadia that will be two in January um, and she's our only child and um, she's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm a high school health teacher and um, runner and I'm soon to be competing in the New York City Marathon with the uh, team runner compete for CMV so we're very excited about that. Awesome thanks so much. And Shane? Hey guys, good morning. My name is Shane Gaffney. Uh, I live in Windham, New Hampshire, which is about an hour north of Boston. Um, I work self-employed as a cycling and triathlon coach, and I also do some uh, workout programming for a software company called Zwift, uh, which is, again, just another athlete-based system. Uh, I'm kind of on the beginning end of CMV. My daughter, Grace, is only eight months old. So we're still kind of going through all the, you know, hearing and cochlear implants and and infectious diseases, neurology, I mean, nine plus specialists. So it's a lot to do on every week, every day kind of basis, but we're kind of figuring it out. Um, And I've also organized a 5K called Grace's Run, which was actually held uh, two weeks ago in Ipswich, Massachusetts, which attracted just under 200 runners. And we raised just under $15,000 for CMV um, awareness. Oh, sorry. We raised just under 15000 for the National CMV Foundation and ideally had a great amount of uh, CMV awareness as a result of that. So pretty stoked on that and definitely going to do that again next year. Um, and yeah, that's my story. Yeah, that's incredible. Our Compete for CMV initiative has been really, really popular with sort of grassroots advocacy and getting people to the table. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dive into that a little bit more. Um, and Brandon, sure. please introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Brandon Greco. Um, my wife, Carrie, and I uh, are li- live in Bel Air, Maryland, uh, just north of Baltimore from uh, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Williamsburg area. We have three children. Uh, our oldest son, Noah, is uh, about to turn 11 on November 8th and was born with congenital CMV in 2008. And then we've uh, recently had two daughters, uh, our 
our middle child, Abby, is 20 months old, and we just had a girl, Haley, born in July. So we have a, a very full house, and um, we've recently done an event here. I'm, I'm the director of golf at a, a private club near Baltimore called Hillendale Country Club, and we did a charity event uh, in September where we raised, uh, all said, uh, a little over $16,000 for the National CMV Foundation, and Kristen was kind enough to be here as our guest speaker and uh, really uh, shared a lot of information with all of our members about uh, what CMV is and what the National CMV Foundation does. So it's uh, it's been kind of a buzz around here since uh, since that event in September. Uh, so we're we're hoping to to build on that momentum and and try to keep uh, keep the the fundraising going. Awesome. Well, all three of you are doing incredible things in terms of using your bodies and your minds and your professional connections to really get this CMV awareness out there and within your communities. Because I imagine, like me, you probably didn't know much about congenital CMV, um, you know, before or during this pregnancy. So, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your journeys and your stories in terms of if the pregnancies were eventful or uneventful and sort of what diagnoses you received at birth and or, you know, the last few years as you've kind of navigated this journey. And I know, Brandon, a little bit longer with Noah being 11. Um, just curious, you know, the strengths and some of the weaknesses that you've seen in, in this journey in terms of, you know, healthcare and therapy and, and sort of all of that, as well as the resiliency that your children are likely showing. Well, um, if I, I can start. I, you know, I'm, a, I'm coming at it from a little bit different perspective. So I, I actually met Carrie when Noah was three. So I was, uh, I adopted him last June um, officially. So I didn't experience a lot of, I didn't experience with the other two guys here, uh, Matt and Shane experience with the, uh, with the birth of their children and, and being told that their, their children have uh, CMV. I, I came to a little bit later. Uh, so Noah was three and Carrie explained to me what CMV was and what Noah had. And, um, and over the, you know, obviously I, I learned a lot very quickly uh, hearing about the story of his birth and what, what she went through and you know, how they ultimately came to the diagnosis of CMV and how it affected him, um, which is, has been uh, in several ways. But he's, he's got uh, moderate to severe hearing loss. So he wears hearing aids. Uh, he wears AFOs uh, to help with stabilizing low muscle tone. Um, is, uh, he, he's nonverbal. Um, so he, there's a lot of, you know, maybe a lot of restrictions that he has. But I think the thing that I learned, and I learned this almost immediately when I met him, was you know, the the things the, the things that define Noah are, have nothing to do with what he can't do, but it's it's all the things that he can and all the milestones that he reaches that you know maybe uh, parents with you know, children that aren't affected by um, various special needs uh, don't think about. It. I remember when Noah was four four years old, uh, four and a half years old, and he he actually reached for a sandwich and, and grabbed it and took a bite for the first time of his own food without somebody feeding him. And you know I remember the day he stood in our house and he was sitting in the house and. He got up on his own two feet without using the the furniture or the wall, and you know these are all milestones that parents see. Um, we just happened to see him a little bit later. Uh, he was probably six years old when that, when that happened, um, but it was a big step for him. And, and every day, um, every day that goes by, every year that goes by, he does something else that um, that we uh, we were amazed by. So you know, by this point, with him almost being eleven, um, and people meet him, uh, it's it's just a different perspective from a from a parent. I, I don't look at him as a, as a child with special needs. I just look at him as a typical 10-year-old boy about to be 11. And when he gets frustrated, he's just like any other 10-year-old boy. He likes to play, likes to laugh. He gets irritated when we don't let him do things. And, um, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's been a unique experience for sure. It's 
been eye opening for me. Um, but uh, yeah, him and his his mom were, you know, they they, they got me pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, and that's incredible. And you're exactly right in terms of your perspective on. You know, Noah is just like any other kiddo, and he's going through things that any other kiddo would be, and he just may have certain challenges that some kids don't. And it's how you, you know, it's sort of how you address those and how you um, show him to the world. And through your eyes is how other people will see Noah. So I think that's pretty incredible. Anybody else yeah, want to share? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll share. Um, just our our story with Nadia, um, we're kind of starting to see some of those things that, uh and Brandon was talking about um, Nadia's going to be two in January. So uh, she's starting to reach some milestones that uh, that are exciting for us and probably just normal, everyday things for uh, other parents. But, uh, you know, like Brandon was saying, just pulling up on her own. Um, the big thing with Nadia lately is she's starting to learn how to use a fork. So um, we're really excited. Uh, everything she does, and it does take her a little longer to do some things. It took her a while to walk. Um, you know, speech is behind, um, so we actually have hearing aids um, ordered to uh, help kind of progress her speech because she does suffer from moderate hearing loss. Um, she hasn't lost it completely, thank goodness, but um, but it is kind of muffled and causing some, some speech and things just to be, uh, I guess, behind. Um, but, but, you know, just to echo what he said, I, I mean, every milestone that she hits, um, I just feel like that I'm a little more proud than a normal parent just because I know what she went through. Um, and, and we had a normal pregnancy. Um, and actually, uh, the day that she was born, we thought my wife, uh, she still had uh, five or six weeks till due date. And we thought she just had the flu. So uh, she called me and said she wasn't feeling well. And uh, I came home from school. Uh, I teach high school. And um, and we took her to the to the doctor and the doctor was having trouble finding a heartbeat um, um, of the baby, so he said, you know, go to the hospital immediately. Uh, we go to the hospital, and they called in our our uh, our specific doctor, and we had a, a child 45 minutes later. So it, it all happened really fast, um, you know, and, uh, and, of course, even being a high school health teacher, I, I had no idea what CMV was, which is kind of shocking now that, I, that I've done all the research on it. And, and that's something that I'm really pushing now in my classes, just kind of awareness, because these high school kids are going to be the next, uh, you know, generation of parents. And, and so just trying to raise awareness on that and teaching them about that. But um, when Nadia was born, you know, we uh, um, everything seemed normal. And then about an hour later, I guess, uh, they decided to send her to Louisville, um, which is about a little bit over two hours from our home. So my wife who had emergency surgery uh, had to stay here uh, in our hometown of Orangeboro and I went for four days on my own to Louisville you know being a brand new dad with no idea what CMV was and uh, I did a lot of googling uh, in those four days and uh, um, you know now I feel like I could <laughs> and I don't know everything about CMV I feel like I could I could uh, have a pretty long conversation about it just from everything we've We've learned, you know, trying to help Nadia through each day, and um, and we're very fortunate. Nadia um, probably doesn't suffer as much as from the effects of congenital CMV as as a lot of children that I know do. Um, but there still are challenges, and there's challenges for us as parents. Just um, 
you know, how to approach things. And, and you know, my wife still uh, will suffer from some guilt sometimes, which, which is understandable. Um, but um, uh, we've kind of just learned learned with her as we go, and we take each day uh, one day at a time and, and, you know, just take whatever challenges comes. Excellent. And your attitude is exactly what we need. And I think your point about teaching the next generation of parents is is critical. I mean, we talk about medical education with sort of grad students and those in medical school, but you're right. In high school health, when you're learning about other things and, and virus infections and STDs, et cetera, um, it's really important to be talking about things that could affect their future babies. And so that's great that you can bring that into the classroom a little bit and share what you've learned. Shane, share with us, please. Sure. So uh, Grace, again, was born in February. So Megan, my wife, went into um, just a routine ultrasound at six and a half months. Um, and she actually had some contractions at that visit. Uh, I'm sorry, not six and seven and a half months, excuse me. So during the contraction, the baby had heart rate decelerations, which was a kind of a big red flag for everybody who was working at the time. So she's actually referred to a, a, a hospital in Winchester, Massachusetts, where we delivered our first uh, child. So at that point, they had her monitored. The baby kept having frequent heart rate decelerations with any kind of contraction. So she's actually uh, emergency C-section to basically save the baby because they said that if she had a uh, regular delivery, that the baby would actually be born uh, as a uh, stillborn. So obviously we took that as saying, you know, we need to get this baby out immediately. So uh, Grace was born about five weeks premature. Uh, She was only about four pounds when she was born. We were in the NICU for about two weeks uh, in Winchester Hospital. And we were very fortunate that Boston Children's Hospital had people working there at the time. And they had, you know, seen babies born with congenital CMV and they recognized the signs and symptoms very early. So they did a um, urinalysis test and we found out she was CMV positive at day three of life. And she was put on um, gancyclovir in the NICU and then transferred to valgancyclovir when we took her home. Um, from that point, it was, you know, all just the battery of specialty tests and specialist visits, things like that. So um, symptomatically, she has profound hearing loss on both sides. So our next big thing is getting her cochlear implants on both sides. She's also born with a very small head and a lot of uh, white matter brain damage from the virus itself. So she presents with cerebral palsy type symptoms where she has very high tone in her extremities and very low tone in her core. Um, And I think what else? There's so many things I could tell you about. So yeah, she was born kind of on the a fortunate, more severely affected end of the spectrum, and they suspect that her um, CMV infection was very, very early in her development just because she does have so many neurological-type damage and hearing loss and things like that. Um, Fortunately, her vision is totally fine, which is great. Um, And, yeah, we're kind of at the very beginning stages of things. So she's, you know, everybody said she's already starting to miss milestones, but you know, we expect her to meet those milestones, you know, later than most kids do. Um, and if she needs any kind of assistive devices or supportive devices, then 
you know, she'll get whatever she needs to get to just, you know, maximize her function as best as, as we can. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, I'm sure with with you guys as parents who already seem so very knowledgeable about sort of the, the diagnostic odyssey and the appointments necessary, just to make sure you're monitoring and staying on top of things, if anything else, um, you know, it's pretty incredible. So she's lucky to have you guys as parents. Um, and so just, just to reiterate what I heard, did anybody hear about congenital CMV before or during pregnancy? Uh, no. I know uh, Carrie, Carrie did not know. Yeah, we we had no idea. Um, even after we, even after uh, she was born, it took us uh, a few days to even get information to uh, from anybody what it was. It seemed like not only we were confused about it, but uh, a lot of the medical staff, um, and even to this day, a lot of the nurses and people that we we deal with uh, don't seem to know much about it. Yeah, yeah uh, go ahead, I was just say, you know, we're 11 years in. We're we're kind of dealing with the same thing. Uh, we've we've moved around a lot, and you know, Carrie's done a lot of work setting up different doctors and specialists for Noah's uh, Noah, and going to different children's hospitals from Kansas City to Virginia to Maryland, and it's kind of been a common theme is in um, you know having a hard time finding medical professionals that are as familiar as you would think they would be with CMV. Yeah, I, you know, that's something that continues to alarm us, I think, in terms of both the general public's education and awareness, as well as healthcare providers' education and awareness. And so according to our latest poll and data that was published in 2018, you know, our awareness rate nationally is less than 10%. So it's 7% for the general public, and it's 9% amongst women of childbearing age, which is terrible. Right. And so that is, you know, what we are working so hard to do in terms of promoting this access to resources and sharing prevention information with women and their families. Um, but, you know, what do you guys think success looks like? I think I'll start. I think success to me would just obviously first and foremost being increasing awareness, which I think, you know, we're all, all three of us are all four of us are doing right now with our events and, you know, doing this podcast and just doing anything we can to increase awareness from there. Once awareness gets better, I think doing more, you know, kind of torch testing or just, you know, prenatal testing to see if there is anything going on CMV related. That way they can ideally start to administer some form of treatment in the womb. And then I think obviously as the end result is vaccination against it, but you have to kind of jump through a lot of hoops before you get to that end result, I think. So it's almost like a multi-stage process in terms of success, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I learned a lot having Kristen here, um, you know, the club, about the process of you know trying to eventually get to the point where there is a vaccination and and um, the steps that are that are going along to that and the money it takes to get to that point, but um, you know how how we may be closer than we even realize. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. Um, it's it's amazing how you know CMV affects children in so many different ways. Uh, I shouldn't say children, I mean people uh, in so many different ways. You know, it's. It's um, you know, we Noah Noah goes to a school. Uh, actually, we just we just moved, and he's at a different school now. It's a, a special needs school with a hundred kids, and the, and the entire school ages uh, six to twenty one, and the, the entire school is made up of children with various special needs. And his previous school, that was the same way. We had one other um, child in the school that had CMV, and uh, you know we we got to be close to their family, and 
and Ashlyn was at the uh, the event we had at the club. And you, know, you look at two kids that are roughly the same age, affected by the same disease, and their and their experiences and their families' experiences couldn't be any different. Uh, you know, Ashlyn deals with with feeding tubes, and um, you know she's a little more restricted uh, mobility-wise than Noah. So I think it's uh, it's just it was it's always been interesting to me how you know I think uh, I think it was Matt said it earlier. You know how fortunate we are, even though Noah is, is dealing with his disease. Um, you know how, how fortunate we are that he's able to do the things that he can do. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the work that, that Kristen and the team there, the, the, the foundation does, and, and everybody um, that that uh, puts their efforts into this uh, this virus has been incredible. And um, yeah, just trying to trying to find that that vaccination to where it's no longer a topic, no longer discussion, and you know, no longer something that we have to concern ourselves with would be great. Yeah, and like they said, I think the long-term uh, vision of, of success uh, would be some kind of vaccination. I'm I'm not really qualified to speak on that. I don't know as much on that end. Um, but just with me, um, awareness is a huge thing. Um, you know, there's so many people, and it might be just the pocket of the country that I live in here in the Midwest, um, but there's so many people that just have no idea what this is. And, and I saw a, a quote um, and I think I even shared it on my Facebook, and it said, uh, I thought I was going to teach my child about the world, but instead I'm teaching the world about my child. And uh, and, and that's how I feel every day. You know, uh, Nadia has lost vision in one eye, um, and her hearing, uh, you know, suffers. And at some point she had a stroke that caused some damage in her brain. And, and to have to uh, explain how that happened from one, you know, little virus, uh, so to speak, uh, to everybody, uh, it would just be nice if, if uh, you know, the awareness was so widespread that, that people understood that this is a very serious uh, virus that can happen. And um, and you know, and I love explaining uh, what it is and uh, and you know how we can prevent it. But but you know, ideally, um, it would be great if everybody already knew that. Um, so uh, I think awareness right now is is the biggest thing for me. Uh, would be a long-term success, and that's what we're trying to do here uh, uh, in Kentucky. Yeah, not only are you guys, you know, thinking about awareness and touching a bunch of people and hoping that they go then touch more people and spread the word, um, but you're raising money and, and you're doing advocacy work as well. You know, what's next for you guys in terms of, you know, raising these funds or, or getting the community together or, or doing some advocacy work? What's next on the action plan for each of you? For me, it's going to be just taking a little bit of a, of a breath after Grace's run because it was only two weeks ago. So hopefully just enjoying it for another week or two. And then I'll start to, you know, just make next year even bigger and better than it was this year. Um, our main goal for next year is obviously to increase participation at the event and increase fundraising. But I really would like to get the you know, CMV community, deaf and hard of hearing community, just more involved at the event next year. Um, and just to kind of get more people under and together, because I feel like people have or people have kids in this area that are affected with CMV. Um, but whether it's an issue with their privacy or they don't want to talk about it or, you know, whatever it might be. I'd like to ideally break those barriers down and kind of get everybody together just so we can know. You know, not feel like we're on an island, but feel like we're a part of a community that's, you know, fostering and helping each other out. Um, 
yeah, so that's my big goal next year is just to make Grace's run even bigger and better than it was this year. <clears throat> I think we're uh, we're kind of in the same boat. You know, we had such a success with that uh, the golf tournament in September, and it was such a small event. You know, it was just our members, and it was a charity event that our our, uh, our women put on every year to benefit different charities. And and this year they approached me about uh, national CMV, and of course I was thrilled. Um, but I'd like to parlay that into um, into maybe a, an annual event that is, uh, you know, one of I mean, that's kind of one of, one of the things I do is we run golf outings, so we we do them all year long and to put together a golf tournament to raise money for the for the foundation that's not just to our members, but an, an actual event in the Baltimore community and you know try to get some uh, recognition through various uh, local local celebrities that play in events um, you know all through the year and, and just try to try to increase that awareness level and raise more money and and uh, kind of building the momentum that we, we started this year. Yeah, for me, we're wrapping up uh, the, the fundraising effort for the New York City Marathon, which uh, is next weekend. Um, so just through that, we, uh, we you know, showed up to different events, uh, you know, 5Ks, uh, festivals in town, things like that, and just, and just set up booths to uh, kind of get the word out about CMV. Um, one thing we did was a, a, a high school fundraiser. We had a blackout night at our local high school football game, and, and all week we set up a, a, a table at school with information on CMV, and we sold a, sold blackout T-shirts. And the, and the football team had a blackout game that Friday night, and all the students wore T-shirts and had our school logo on it, and then it had uh, uh, some stuff about CMV on the back and uh, and a logo of, of the CMV Foundation, and uh, and I thought that was really neat to see um, just the young people getting involved, uh, not only to support me and Nadia, but uh, just to display the CMV logo everywhere. And and uh, so we're we're wrapping up that. Um, so not exactly sure what's next. I kind of like what Shane was saying. Uh, I like the idea of some kind of support uh, situation or or whatever for uh, not only mothers but for fathers. I know I know since uh, we've had Nadia, there's been two occasions that I've reached out just on Facebook of a story I saw um, to a new father who was just confused. And, and one story, it sounded just like Nadia's, and I just reached out to him and, and said, you know, it's going to be okay, take a day at a time. We've been in your shoes, um, and, and it's scary. Um, but you'll get past it, and you'll learn how to adapt. And and I'd like to see some, some uh, you know, accountability, some support group, whatever, uh, whatever it is. Because it, I mean, it is it is a scary thing not to know what tomorrow's going to bring. Um, so uh, you know, I love I love the idea of something along those lines uh, being something we can work towards next. All great ideas and things that we are actively trying to put in motion, and we will likely rely on volunteers such as yourself to kind of get some of these off the ground. So I appreciate that feedback. I think it's you know great, and I'm sure you're not alone in, in feeling you know some frustration in terms of the diagnoses and and the things that you guys have been going through the last you know several years, um, as well as the lack of community support and awareness and education amongst providers and others when you have to explain your, your child's story over and over again. So I totally hear that, and, uh, and you know, we are trying to improve that day by day. 
Um, in terms of the events that you guys have hosted, since they were all so successful, and Matt, I know yours is still to come, but your fundraising has been tremendous. I'm just curious, do you guys have any tips for, for those who really want to get involved and want to host their own event or want to go run for some Compete for CMV event who are just afraid to ask for money or afraid to reach out to their community businesses and ask for support? Is there anything that you've learned or that you um, any tips you would share that would get people intrigued and interested? Uh, I would I would tell you not to be afraid. <laughs> it's, uh, that's the, the I mean for fundraising you've you've kind of got to you know don't be afraid to, to be told no. Um, you know, you'll certainly hear it, but uh, that's okay. Um, you know you, it, it doesn't take long to get a little bit of a groundswell of support, and, and especially in your local communities and people that you know and local businesses they they always like to get involved in um, with uh, with things that are that are local to their area and, and stories that are you know that that touch home. So. I think it's a great start, and uh, you know, the more more recognition CMV can get on the national level, the easier it'll become. But I, I certainly wouldn't let a fear of, of hearing the word no stop you from asking people for their uh, for their dollars because it's uh, it's much much needed. Yeah, I would agree. I think you know I just started at like even just my nuclear family level. I just say, hey, you know what? I'm planning on you know creating an event for Grace for a National Seafood Foundation and to raise awareness for CMV. You know, can you help me out, interested in it, whatever. And then I reached out to um, the foundation itself and I spoke with Crystal. Um, and she's been obviously a great, you know, right-hand woman to have in the corner. And then I'm fortunate to come from, you know, an athletic training background so I have a lot of decent network and connections in the event management space, and I've hosted and done events for my business before. So, I mean, I kind of have some experience in that way, which definitely helped me with this first year. Um, but, you know, hiring a friend or, you know, leveraging those connections and network as best as you can can make a huge difference when it comes to the actual event day itself. But, yeah, I mean, I would agree, don't be afraid to you know, make the jump because that's the hardest thing is jumping. But once you jump and you're in the air, then everything else kind of falls into place. I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I I, I almost didn't uh, uh, do the New York City fundraiser because I was worried that I wouldn't wouldn't be able to raise the money that that was required. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, I spoke to a few people just close to me before I committed to this. Um, and I knew I wanted to do something for CMV, um, and then I, I'm also a, a pretty passionate runner, so um, I wanted to do the New York City Marathon fundraiser. Uh, and just speaking to a few people, uh, they said, "Man, we'll we'll get you to this goal. You know, we'll help you raise awareness. We'll help you raise money." And sure enough, um, a lot of the fundraiser um, was taken on by other people. I had I had companies reach out. I had people doing exercise classes. The, the Pure Bar company in our town did a did a pure bar class for and the uh, elementary cross-country series that they hosted a park in our town um, you know gave entry fees to us and then we did the high school football thing and, and I showed up to local 5ks and it's just uh, it seems like there were so many people that wanted to get their hands in there and help and uh, and just before I made the commitment you know I, I didn't and didn't see that coming it was just amazing how everybody came together, and like I said, I think if people want to help. Uh, you just have to have the, you know, the courage to ask them. Excellent. 
And we'll wrap up now, guys, but I wanted to just, again, say thank you so much for your time and for your interest and for all of the work that you're doing within your communities to raise awareness and funds for National CMV. You know, all of that money will be recognized towards our mini-grant programs, whether it is our, our Early Career Research Award or our Public Health mini-grants. Um, and some of the awareness activities that we're doing in various markets and DMAs to try and get our public health messaging across. So we can't thank you enough. And we're just so grateful to have the perspective from a group of dads who are so heavily invested in their families as well as in this cause. We're just lucky to have you guys. So um, for the last question, what message would you guys like to leave the audience with in regards to congenital CMV awareness? and work that needs to come? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll start. Um, I guess I'd want to maybe leave a message of, of hope and encouragement, you know, being at least in this group uh, here, um, someone with a son who's a little bit uh, older and who's been and dealing with this virus for uh, a little over a decade, um, and, you know, seeing all the challenges and, and all the things that, that he's faced and the, the different things we've had to go through. but. Uh, Looking back on it all, I mean, it's been an incredible, um, it's been an incredible experience uh, having Noah in, in our lives, and you know, the all the memories that we have of him and, and the things that we do as a family. Um, just, you know, it, those are the things that we, we we remember, we think about. It's it, it very little do, do the do the struggles that he has really pop up in our daily lives. It's I truly do feel like, um, you know, our lives are normal with him. Uh, you know, it's. It's gotten that way over the years. This this is our normal. This is this is life for us, and and we love it. And we, you know, we we Carrie and I we we talk about it all the time. If if there was you know if there was a magic potion or pill that we could give Noah tomorrow, where all of a sudden you know he could talk and he was uh, he was a, a normal functioning ten year old, would we do it? And and we say no. And and the reason is because that's not who that's not Noah. That's not the Noah that we've we've come to know and love. And that's not our son. And um, we wouldn't change a thing about him. I mean everything that. That he goes through everything that he does is is exactly who he is, and um, we love him for it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm personally proud to be involved with this uh, this organization, this group, uh, this community. I think it's um, it's a tremendous one, and you know, un unfortunately, it exists. But uh, you know, we're we're thankful to be be a part of it and uh, to be able to get support from it. It's awesome. Yeah, I would say just you know, in terms of awareness, just taking action is the most important thing you could do. And, you know, what that action is can be to the extreme that we're going is in terms of organizing events and stuff like that. Or it could be simply, you know, liking a post or sharing a post on social media. You know, it's something you can do within the course of one second and it takes one click. But, you know, that one click then exposes more awareness to your network. So, I think, you know, growing things through social media has been my success as a business and also as the event itself. So I think even leveraging things as simple as social media to increase awareness is something that you can do easily in terms of liking and sharing posts or, like I said, going to the extreme of organizing events. But action needs to be taken for things to change. Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. Uh, I think I would just, you know, leave a message of encouragement um, uh, to maybe a new parent uh, with a child that might have congenital CMV. Uh, you know, we were told the the possible outcomes of everything that could happen uh, with the virus, and uh, and I think it really is important to take one day at a time. Um, we, we enjoy each day with Nadia, and we know that 
her hearing could completely go at some point. We know that uh, she's going to have many different challenges. Uh, but also, I think that adversity has kind of made us closer uh, as a family. And, and you know, like, like Brandon said, we wouldn't change a thing. Um, uh, I'm very proud of her. And, um, you know, I want her, when she gets older, to be proud of what me and Amy have done to to promote uh, awareness with this. So, so, you know, just I think my thing is just, taking it slow, taking one day at a time, remaining positive, um, and, you know, uh, everything's going to be okay in the end. And uh, uh, I think that would be my message. Fantastic. You guys are wonderful people, great humans. We're so lucky to have you part of this community, although I know we, we do wish, you know, it wasn't this circumstance that brought us all together, but we are grateful to you for your contributions to National CMV and within your community. So thank you so much for your time today, and we'll be in touch. Thank you for having us. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Meridian Bioscience, working to create healthcare solutions that help save lives with each discovery, each diagnosis, every patient, every day. Visit nationalcmv.org for additional topics and podcast episodes. Links for today's conversation can be found in the show notes. And don't forget, National CMV Foundation is a nonprofit organization, and we rely on donor support to bring you programming like the show you just heard. Please go to nationalcmv.org backslash donate to give online or text STOPCMV to 41411 to give by phone. I'm Kristen Spitek. Thanks for listening.